Many times we need to keep our health in check, but don't know what questions to ask or where to begin. We walk in blindly to our health care provider and walk out none the wiser and maybe even more confused than before. Can you take charge of your health and arm yourself with the questions and preparedness you need? The answer is yes. Welcome to Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs. This program will answer your questions and give you the best practices for facing your medical partner in good health. Now, here's Dr. Susan Downs. Hi, welcome to Occupy Health. This is Dr. Susan. Here we want to give you all the information and tools so you can get your body primed to go toward optimal health. There's so many things we can do on our own. We don't need to wait for the government. Uh, we just need to just take good care of ourselves so we can get better and better. And today, there's a, we're going to talk about a very interesting technology that not only can get us on an optimal path, but can get us so far along that optimal path and regenerate things that are going south and just get us in so much better health, and that's stem cells. So with us today, we have Harry Adelson. He is a naturopathic doctor who is one of the early adopters of, cells, of stem cells for the treatment of chronic muscular skeletal pain. He began his training in the regenerative injection therapy, that's called prolotherapy, in 1998 while in his final year at the National College of Naturopathic Medicine in Portland, Oregon. During his residency program at the Yale-Griffin Hospital in Derby, Connecticut, he volunteered after hours in a large homeless shelter in Bridgeport, Connecticut, providing regenerative injection therapies to the medically underserved while gaining valuable experience. He opened the Doceri Clinics in Salt Lake City in 2002, and from day one, his practice has been 100% regenerative injection therapies for the treatment of musculoskeletal pain conditions. He's performed over 6,000 bone marrow and fat stem cell procedures and injected stem cells in over 1,400 intervertebral discs. placing him solidly among the most experienced in the world in the use of autologous stem cells for the treatment of spinal pain. He's the inventor of the full body stem cell makeover. And folks, this is something you want to hear about. And is the founder of the Doceri Clinics located in beautiful Park City, Utah. So welcome, Dr. Adelson. Thank you so much, Susan. And please call me Harry. Okay, Harry. You feel more yeah. like a Harry than a, uh, a, a somebody <laughs> with a title. Okay. Not that you don't deserve the title. So tell us, what got you on this pathway to exploring with stem cells? Well, I originally got interested in naturopathic medicine because I saw the direction that the food industry was taking. You know, I, I saw... The, the obesity crisis, this was back in the, in the late 80s, early 90s, and the obesity crisis was really sort of making itself apparent. And um, I took a course at McGill University called Food and Nutrition in Prehistoric Societies, which was, you know, really this was, it was right around the time the paleo movement started. And I sort of got, you know, indoctrinated into how, uh, how the food industry really plays such a large role in keeping the population sick. And that sort of let, set me on a journey, and I found out about naturopathic medicine. And naturopathic medicine in the United, here in the United States and in Canada is a four-year degree uh, that leads to a, a doctoral degree, and we're licensed in a certain number of states and have varying scopes of practice. And um, then I did a, a residency at uh, Griffin Hospital. 
uh, as you mentioned. But when I was when I was during my, you know, when I was entering naturopathic school, my first year, I was fanatical about rock climbing. I mean, my, my whole life revolved around rock climbing. It was really, you know, it was how I spent all my time. And I was training in my first year of naturopathic school. I was training for a, uh, my dream trip to France, which is the birthplace of modern sport climbing. And I was, you know, training very hard in the climbing gym, get preparing for this trip. And I did this cross-through move and felt this like revolting pop in my shoulder and it was very painful and my I, I could barely move my arm for a couple of days so I I consulted with a surgeon I got an MRI and I, uh, he said well you've torn the labrum of your shoulder you've torn the cartilage um, I can put a scope in there and cut out the torn cartilage or um, you know and that that will probably help but it's going to cause you problems later in life because it's going to prematurely give you arthritis. Or I can give you a steroid injection, which will take the pain away for a while, but it similarly is going to actually make the problem worse because it can degrade your, your, the, your joint surfaces. Well, this didn't make any sense to me at all. I mean, here I was. I was 25 years old. I was in excellent health. I was in naturopathic school, so I was learning about the healing power of nature. And it's like... Steroid injections and surgery as my only options just made no sense. So I started sort of researching around, and, you know, this was back in the 90s when research meant talking to people. And I found out about Rick Marinelli, and Rick was the first naturopathic doctor to do regenerative injection therapy or prolotherapy, which is the injection of natural substances into uh, damaged tissues in order to trick the body into thinking that it's been re-injured, thereby launching your body's natural healing cascade, giving you a second chance at healing. Well, he did prolotherapy on me, and it worked so well that I knew that that was going to be the rest of my career. So um, I, in my first number of years in practice, and as you said in the introduction, when I was in residency, I volunteered in a homeless shelter practicing my first two years of doing prolotherapy was was on this it was in this 50 bed homeless shelter on these guys who you know all were you know they're in a homeless shelter they all have musculoskeletal pain a lot of them had like gunshot wounds and you know all sorts of all sorts of uh, pain syndromes and they were the great greatest people to like learn on because they were just super appreciative of any help I could give them and then um, I did prolotherapy for in private practice for four years and I got, you know, I got really satisfactory results. Well, then platelet-rich plasma came along in 2005. And what that is, is you take blood from a patient, put it in a centrifuge, concentrate it down. You concentrate down the platelets. Platelets are what are responsible for clotting after injury, but they also you know, they, they, so they stop the bleeding, but they also release proteins that signal the endogenous stem cells in that area to heal the tissue. So I started using this platelet-rich plasma, and from about 2006 to 2010, that became 100% of my practice. And what I found is that I was able to get the same good benefits of prolotherapy, but in many fewer treatments. Well, then in 2010, I had a patient come to me, and 
um, I had I had treated her with prolotherapy, and then I had treated her with PRP, and we'd helped her to a point, but we just couldn't quite get her all the way there. And she she came in my office, and she's put down this stack of papers on my desk, and she said, um, I want you to inject bone marrow stem cells into my knee. And the, the, the papers that she put on my desk, on my desk at that point, you know, this was back in 2009, this was, uh, it was really just animal studies. And I said, Laura, you know, I don't know how to do that. And she said, so, learn. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, so I did. And um, we treated her, and then I treated a number of other people. And, and Susan, it just, it worked so much better than prolotherapy or PRP. Like I was, what was taking me with prolotherapy, eight to 10 treatments, and then PRP, four to 10 treatments. Now I was getting done in one or two treatments, and I knew that was it. And that was, that was early 2010, and then, and then it's evolved from there. But that's, that, that, to answer your question, what got me on this path, there you go. So it sounds like you're taking cells from the own, your own body and that these might develop in different pathways to specific cells or some pluripotent cells can develop in anything. And is that how it works or what is the mechanism? Well, that's, you know, we used to think when we first started doing this, so stem cells have essentially two superhuman powers. One of them is their ability when they, when they, divide to either self-renew, which is to turn into a version of themselves, or differentiate, turn into target tissue cells. And um, that's sort of what stem cells are best known to do. And that's what we used to think was the mechanism when using them therapeutically for treating pain. What we've since learned is that stem cells, specifically mesenchymal stem cells, which are the ones that we use for the treatment of pain, have a second superhuman power, and that's called uh, the paracrine effect. And the paracrine effect is the stem cell's ability to recognize that it's in the presence of damaged or degenerated tissues and release these vesicles filled with growth factors called exosomes, which trigger those cells to launch into a healing mode. So the idea is that, you know, we, we have stem cells in all the tissues in our body, with just a few exceptions, um, and their job is to, uh, is to maintain the health of their microenvironment. So um, whenever you have injury and then you have healing, when you have a healing response, the, that healing response is a stem cell-mediated event. The way it happens is the first is with injury, there's bleeding. There's localized bleeding. Well, when platelets find themselves outside of a blood vessel, they release a, a protein called platelet-derived growth factor. When that platelet-derived growth factor comes into contact with the cells that are surrounding the blood vessel, these are called pericytes, that, then those pericytes turn from Clark Kent into, into Superman. Pericytes' normal, everyday Clark Kent role is they wrap around the blood vessel and they squeeze or relax, thereby causing vasoconstriction or vasodilatation. So medications that that cause vasoconstriction, vasodilatation to affect the blood pressure are exerting their effect on these pericytes. Well, when platelet-derived growth factor comes into contact with these pericytes, they detach from the blood vessel and they morph into mesenchymal stem cells. 
And mesenchymal stem cells have this ability to exert the paracrine effect. They recognize when they're in the presence of damaged or degenerated tissues, and they release proteins which kill invading microbes, control inflammation, uh, trigger the growth of new healthy blood vessels, and also uh, signal to the damaged connective tissues to heal themselves. So what we're doing with stem cell therapy is, you know, if you take somebody who's had an injury and they've healed partially, but they haven't healed completely, and then they have what's called suboptimal healing, the area is still painful, like a post-whiplash syndrome is a perfect example. You have a whiplash syndrome, you damage the tissue, but then even after it's healed, it's still painful. Well, that's because of suboptimal healing. So we take these stem cells from these areas where you still have a robust population, namely your bone marrow and your fat. We isolate the stem cells from the fat. We concentrate the stem cells from the bone marrow. Um, and then we inject them directly into the area of suboptimal healing, tricking your body into thinking that it's been re-injured, thereby launching a healing cascade. I want to give a cheer here uh, for the naturopathic approach because I think functional medicine is kind of like imitating it. They look at the cause of disease, they look at the gut foremost, and then they'll maybe look at how your thyroid adrenals are doing. And part of it, I think they might give desiccated organs such as thyroid and adrenal to support those. So mm-hmm. is can you give uh, substances from other animals to do this? Well, what I do, I, you know, we don't know. There's, when you say at this point, when you say stem cell treatment or stem cell therapy or stem cell medicine, you know, that is such a vague term because there's so many different ways to do it. There's so many different ways to approach this. And right now, there's no formal pathway to being, uh, to, to being sort of credentialed as a stem cell doctor. So, you know, if you look up 10 stem cell doctors, you're going to find 10 different approaches. I, my approach is what I sort of affectionately refer to as the kitchen sink approach because we don't really know which works the best. I mean, there's some clinics that only do bone marrow stem cells. There's some, some clinics that only do fat stem cells. There's some, some clinics that only do umbilical cord stem cells. Well, I... Uh, started out with bone marrow, and then I started, you know, I did that for the first three years, and then I learned how to isolate stem cells from fat. Well, you know, my initial instinct was to combine the two, but I thought, you know, maybe one does work better than the other, and maybe the, the one that works better eliminates the necessity to do the other. So, for instance, maybe fat works better, and we don't have to do a bone marrow aspiration. So what I did is over a period of four months, when people would come to me, I would give them the choice. I would say either we can do bone marrow, which I have you know three years at that point three years experience with, uh, and there's a growing body of scientific data supporting its use, uh, or we can do fat, which I at this at that point didn't have any experience with, um, and there was less data, but but it can, it renders a much higher, like a tenfold, uh, ten to actually ten to a hundredfold uh, volume of stem cells more than bone marrow. Uh, so theoretically, it could work better. 
and then I would just let people self-select. And what I found, and then I would follow up with them a year later, and what I found is that the bone marrow group, as had been my experience, um, got very you know, consistently good results. It usually would take two treatments to get people to where they wanted to be, but, um, but I had a low non-responder rate. I had a non-responder rate of around 10%. With the fat group, when it worked, it worked significantly better than the bone marrow. Um, and I would get the job done usually in one treatment. However, I had a higher non-responder rate. My non-responder rate was closer to 30%. Now, I don't really know why that is. Um, it could, it's entirely probable that it had to do with my own methodology. But, um, but, you know, that's what I found. So that's, and right around that time, my dad came to visit, and he wanted a treatment. And I thought, well, which am I going to do with my dad? And I thought, well, I'm just going to do both. And after that, I'm like, well, if I'm going to do both for my dad, I need to do both for everybody. So then I started doing both for everybody, and then I followed up with them a year later. And what I found is that those people got, we had, now we had the consistency of the bone marrow, the low non-responder rate, and the, and the augmented improvement of the fat. And I started doing the two of those together. And I've been doing the two combined since about 2014. I did that for a number of years, and what I found was that overall, just sort of across the boards, all the different conditions I treat, for people under the age of, you know, 55 years old, I got consistently good results. But over the age of 55, it was a little more hit or miss. You know, I would have a higher non-responder rate in the older age category. So I considered starting to use umbilical cord stem cells. And when you look around, like if you, if you search around on the web and you see these clinics that offer umbilical cord stem cells, one of the things that they advertise is, you know, why use your old stem cells when we can use these very young, robust stem cells? So I you know, sort of thought about using it, but I just, you know, when I was digging around, I could not really find any sort of long-term safety data. And that concerns me because, you know, if somebody has a bone marrow transplant from, uh, for cancer treatment, they can have graft-versus-host disease up to two years later. So, you know, even though these stem cells, these umbilical cord stem cells are supposed to be, uh, uh, oh, there's a term, immuno, uh, I've, I've forgotten the term, but it's basically they're, they're not subject to the immune system. They don't trigger immune response. We don't really know for sure. And it's just sort of the people who come to me, the whole idea of, of taking cells with somebody else's genetic material in them just didn't, doesn't appeal to them. So that's when I found out about exosomes. And exosomes are, you know, if we go back to cellular biology 101 and you look at the, you look at an illustration, a diagram of a cell, and you see the cell membrane and then on the exterior, and then inside there's all the different organelles. There's the nucleus, which contains the genetic material. There's the Golgi apparatus. There's Dave Asprey's favorite, the mitochondria. Um, but then there's these vesicles filled with growth factors that are called exosomes. And those exosomes are actually the active ingredient of the, of the mesenchymal stem cells. So when, you know, my stem cells, for instance, are 52-year-old stem cells. So what makes my stem cells old is as we age, 
our own stem cells lose the ability to manufacture these vesicles filled with growth factors or exosomes. That's why in older people, uh, the stem cells exert less of an effect because they manufacture fewer exosomes. So what I started doing is, so this, this laboratory that I use, Chimera Labs, they take placental stem cells and they basically trick them into thinking that their host is under duress. So they manufacture and excrete these exosomes. They then use a very high-speed centrifugation to put the stem cells to the bottom and uh, put the exosomes to the top. Now they can isolate the exosomes, separate them from the genetic material. Now I supplement your bone marrow and fat stem cells with these exosomes, thereby, you know, supplementing your stem cells, effectively making your stem cells that of a younger person. That's what I've been doing for about the last four years is that combination. And that's what I've really found to work the best. Well, I find that pretty exciting. Let me go back for the layman and uh, elaborate on a couple of things. Graft versus host disease, that means if you put a substance from another being in your body, you might build antibodies and immunity against it and reject it. And so Mm -hmm. that's a risk. So that's why he's saying, well, let's take what we've got in their own body, uh, which might not be as powerful as we get older, and use it. But he's magnifying its potency uh, with some of these techniques. I also want to reaffirm his comment that uh, stem cell therapists can run all over the map. I've looked on the internet and there's some people who are ac- actually giving it, you know, stem cells of Lord knows what in pills. And there's other people that say, oh, this has been going on since 1552 BC because people were taking med- medicinal preparations of animal organs to improve vitality. So I think when you look up stem cell therapy, you're going to find everything. But what uh, you're doing, it sounds like you're doing the uh, cream of the crop, the best of everything. Um, that's that's what I believe. I mean, I, I'm not really aware of anybody else doing this uh, kitchen sink approach, uh, but I've been very happy with the results. Um, and, and just to kind of echo back to what you mentioned about functional medicine, um, I, I think the, the emergence of functional medicine is just fabulous, and that's exactly how I describe it, is it's the MD version of naturopathic medicine, because it's, you know, uh, a patient of mine here in my clinic and a friend is Mark Hyman, and he describes the difference between conventional medicine and functional medicine. Conventional medicine is the medicine of what, what disease do you have, and what drug are you going to take? And functional medicine, similar to naturopathic medicine, is the, is the medicine of why. Why are you having these symptoms? And, wh- and, then, and then, you know, wh- what do we need to do to, to, to address the cause? Yeah, so I just want to reiterate that because functional medicine has been one of our primary focuses because we want to know why, what's going on, and look at the root cause mm-hmm. rather than just slap a pill on to, to mass right. symptoms, do sick care or mm-hmm. disease management. Mm-hmm. So I want to really strongly mm-hmm. encourage that, especially in the days that are coming when we really need to learn how to build up our own immunity rather than rely mm-hmm. on the government solution to this. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So. 
tell me what kind of conditions uh, you've had the best success in. Because looking on this on the Internet, I mean, people have claimed that just about anything you can help, like the brain, which is really hard to get into, uh, uh, you know, helping just about any condition, diabetes, Parkinson's, uh, obviously osteoritis, arthritis and rheumatoid arthritis, they, they're obvious. But diseases such as multiple sclerosis, ALS, it's heart disease, vision loss, etc. So what uh, have you had the most success with and what are other possibilities in which this might help? Sure. So, so you're absolutely right. There's, there are people studying the use of stem cells for every condition imaginable. I, only, I stay in my lane. I only treat musculoskeletal pain. My early, as a prolotherapist, and, and my early interest was in treating musculoskeletal pain, treating pain of the spine and treating pain of the joints. And so I've really just n- n- greatly narrowed my focus to spine pain and joint pain. Um, and then, you know, beyond that, really, the, the, the most, the, the way to determine whether or not stem cells could be helpful for musculoskeletal pain conditions, what I essentially do is I determine whether somebody's pain is coming from a microscopic pain generator or a macroscopic pain generator. So let me just briefly explain those. So the best known is macroscopic pain. So what that means is macroscopic means you can see it with your eyes. You like you, 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 somebody has leg pain and they fell out of a tree and you take an x-ray and their leg is broken. Well, that's the problem. Like we know that's the problem. The problem that we run into with the majority of chronic pain syndromes is the way our medical system is set up we're completely reliant on the MRI to justify the diagnosis and justify the treatments to get insurance to pay for it. The issue is most often the MRI really is not giving you useful information at all. It's just giving you distracting information. Um, If you take 100 people with no low back pain, never had low back pain, and you do an MRI over the age of 45, and you do an MRI, 60% of them you're going to find abnormalities. 15% you're going to find abnormalities so significant that if they had corresponding symptoms, they would be eligible for immediate emergency surgery. Similarly, if you take MRIs of people with lots of back pain frequently, it's perfectly normal. So that really calls into question the, the value of MRIs. And in 2011, the American College of Physicians, which is like the, the granddaddy of all medical societies, uh, issued a position paper uh, discouraging doctors from ordering MRI for routine low back pain. As, if you're, as long as you're not having like neurologic deficit, like incontinence, or if you suspect cancer, in the, in the absence of those two things, all you're achieving by ordering MRI is you're going to make the treatment more expensive, but you're not going to improve the outcomes. So, you know, that, that's, that's what I mean by that. And that's why, you know, wh- my goal with doing an evaluation on somebody is to ask them questions and then listen to the answers. And I've found over 20 years of practice that patients will always tell me what's wrong with them. If I just ask the right questions and then I quiet my mind and listen to the answers. 
Well, what can you do for those of us that don't have any pain? Well, that's sort of why I came up with full body stem cell makeover. So um, Dave Asprey became a patient. Well, let me just back up a little bit. So um, I, I early on, when I first started doing stem cells, around 2012, 2013, I started getting these, it started out as Wyoming ranchers. A lot of them were like ex-rodeo champions. And then they, and it was all word of mouth. And, and then I ended up getting a couple of uh, Alberta, Canada oil field workers. And then it kind of spread into Manitoba and uh, Saskatchewan dairy farmers. So these are all people who have used their bodies, sort of, I jokingly say they've exceeded the terms of their warranty. And, you know, they've, they've overdone it for many years. Like these people, their work is very physical and it's every day. There's no days off. And they literally have arthritis throughout their entire bodies. So I would, I was doing these big treatments where we would treat somebody's entire spine and then flip them over and do both shoulders and both hips and both knees and both ankles. And I sort of affectionately started referring to these treatments as full body stem cell makeovers. Well, then in early 2016, uh, Dave Asprey became a patient and um, I developed a relationship with him, ended up speaking at his, uh, at his biohacking conferences and I started getting his sort of devotees in the clinic. And I had this one in particular who said, and he was young and healthy and, you know, just had some hip pain and a little bit of shoulder pain. But he said, you know, really, I'm doing this for anti-aging purposes. I want, I, similar to Dave, want to live well over 100 years, and I want to be very active to the bitter end. Um, so, you know, can you just treat my whole body? And I thought... Yeah, actually, I can, because <laughs> I'd been doing it for years with all these other guys. You know, I hadn't formally called it that. You know, it was just doing these large treatments, and we wouldn't necessarily do everything, whether or not they need it. But, you know, I, I, this fellow wanted me to do it, so I went ahead and did it, and he loved it. I mean, he just, he, what, the way he described it is this, the feeling that you get after a full body massage, like a really good massage, is you're just more fluid and you feel younger and you feel, you know, you're able to just, you're able to move in space much better. That's what he described, but it was long lasting. It wasn't just a couple of days, like a massage. It lasted a couple of years. So, um, so then I started offering full body stem cell makeover and it's exactly the way it sounds. We take a large volume of bone marrow, take a large volume of fat, isolate the stem cells from the fat, concentrate the stem cells from the bone marrow, supplement with the relatively large volume of exosomes, and then we proceed to inject every moving part in the body. Now, keep in mind, all, I do all my procedures under IV sedation administered by an anesthesiologist. So this is, it sounds like the Spanish Inquisition, but it's really like you go to sleep and then you wake up and we're done. Um, we do the entire spine, including epidural injections of stem cells in the low back and the neck. The reason we do that is to is to to try to avoid to try to uh, you know to try to preemptively treat uh, central stenosis, which is narrowing of the spinal canal, which is a major aspect to arthritis of the spine. Then we do the facet joints of the entire length of the spine, from the base of the skull down to the tailbone including the SI, 
Then we turn the person over, do both shoulders, both elbows, both wrists and thumbs, both hips, both knees, both ankles, and great toe. That's what I call a two-hands full-body stem cell makeover. So it's my two hands. People have the option of a four-hands four full-body stem cell makeover are my two hands and the two hands of my, of my practice partner, Dr. Amy Killen, who um, she does the same uh, kitchen sink approach, stem cells plus exosomes. She injects it into the skin of the face to increase hydration and elasticity. She injects it into the scalp to thicken hair follicles. And then she injects it in men in the penis and women in the vagina to increase microcirculation and additionally improve hydration and elasticity to, uh, to help address either sexual dysfunction, uh, pain with sex, or, uh, or, you know, in women, it's just like the maintaining the integrity of the, of the pelvic floor. Um, and we've been doing, we've been doing full body stem cell makeover coming up on four years now, and we've done a bunch of them. It's, it's a very, it's our most popular uh, procedure, and I love doing them. <laughs> okay, if we don't have joint problems, I mean, we're all eventually, you know, when we get to 120 or some age, we'll start having challenges in our joints or bone facets or whatever. But if we don't have any particular joint that's causing any particular problems, what benefits does it have? Does it reduce free radical damage throughout the whole body? Does it reduce inflammation? What can it do just, you know, for somebody who might be a diabetic or low thyroid or somebody's on the path toward chronic diseases or just wants anti-aging, but it's not particularly focused on a joint? Okay, well, my focus is on spine and joints. So, you know, if I have people who... You know, the idea with full body stem cell makeover is we're treating joints that aren't necessarily painful at this time, but this isn't to say they won't be painful in five or 10 years. True. It's turning back the hands of time. So it's, you know, it's, it's hopefully delaying the onset of arthritic pain. As far as uh, just sort of overall anti-aging purposes, I mean, I, I, I do all orthopedic procedures. So, you know, I don't do like what you're describing would be more like the intravenous ad, uh, administration of, of stem cells, which is uh, very much a gray area, like a very dark gray area. Um, so I, that's not something that I particularly do. If people are interested in treating diabetes or, you know, as you said, you know, treating sort of systemic disease, I recommend people check out my friends at the Cell Surgical Network. And their website is stemcellrevolution.com. And they have, there's a, they have a network of doctors throughout all of the U.S. and really all over the world treating every imaginable type of disorder, uh, including just sort of like frailty of aging. So, you know, just kind of to circle back to what your actual question is for the treatment of, uh, of, of aging, essentially. There was a landmark study done in 2018 where this group looked at the use of intravenous stem cells for frailty associated with aging. Frailty associated with aging is sort of, it's, uh, it, it's a measurable uh, phenomenon. You know, it's, I think it's five categories, and it's completely objective, meaning you can measure how frail somebody is. And they, they 
uh, this group, what they did is they took people, measured their frailty at, associated with aging, and then administered these very large doses of intravenous stem cells. And what they found is that it actually reversed frailty associated with aging. So really, stem cell therapy, based on this study, is the first scientifically demonstrated anti-aging treatment. Yeah, because it sounds like you described that these cells will kind of go to where they're needed and the pluripotent cells and ones that can mm-hmm. uh, generate anything, which I think might be from the bone marrow. Uh, maybe they'll just find what needs tending to, even though we're not yet aware of it. Is that the that's, way it works? That's that's what we think. You know, that's we, you know we don't we can't say that with complete certainty yet, but that's what we think. Stem cells are what are responsible for maintaining the health of their microenvironment when they become um, depleted or otherwise dysfunctional. That's when disease happens. So if we replenish your body supply with stem cells, um, then that is is hopefully moving you toward health. Now, just to be clear, I I don't do that treatment. Um, I I do musculoskeletal injections. Yes. Okay, now, one of the things we've talked about many times in this program are the mitochondria, the energy powerhouse that gives our body all the energy it needs, and when they wear down, everything else wears down. So how would, uh, uh, what treatments would help uh, invigorate our mitochondria so they'll keep chugging along for a longer period of time in health? Well, that's one of the, that's actually one of the ways that stem cell therapy is helpful is those mesenchymal stem cells, in addition to the paracrine effect, are able to actually donate their mitochondria to tissue cells. That's part of how, when they trigger the, the healing of the damaged cells or tissues, they donate their mitochondria to those damaged cells. So that sounds pretty exciting. So we can regenerate our mitochondria. Um, and um, how long would that effect last until they just kind of wear down again through natural processes? Yeah, I don't. Unfortunately, I don't. I don't think anybody knows the answer to that at this point. Uh, do we know how it affects the telomere length? That is something very interesting that really needs to be studied. I know that that. Uh, what is it? Is it Bill Andrews? I think he actually reached out to me to just to see if I wanted to study telomere length in intervertebral discs, uh, which which we might pursue. But that's you know that would. <laughs> he he postulates that like when I because I treat a lot of discogenic pain. So what discogenic pain means? Pain originating from the intervertebral discs, uh, usually dehydrated or desiccated intervertebral discs. And my clinic, we're one of the few places that inject intervertebral discs with stem cells. And what's interesting is the small number of cases where I've done before and after MRI. Um, you know, I'll have these people who have these really very impressive, very big improvements in pain. So we'll go ahead and do an MRI, and really, actually, the, the level of dehydration of their disc really doesn't appear to change at all. So that, you know, that sort of makes you wonder, well, what's actually happening? And, you know, Bill Andrews thinks that we're increasing telomere length. And I, I don't know if that's true or not, but that's something that we may start to look into. Well, this is exciting. Do you, what, can you, what can you tell me about various treatments such as blood oxygenation and ozonation, ultraviolet blood irradiation, 
prolotherapy. Uh, can you tell me a little bit about these specific procedures? Sure. The um, ozone dialysis, or it's called EBO2, extracorporeal blood oxygenation and ozonation, or ozone dialysis is a much easier way to say it, is something that I've just started, uh, I've just integrated into, into, our, into our stem cell procedures. Uh, it's this very, very interesting uh, technology developed by uh, uh, Dr. Yu, uh, Y.U., and he's based in California, Louis Yu. And what this is, is he's, he's combined sort of several modalities and stacked them. He's taken sort of a conventional dialysis machine. Um, and you know, so that includes a pump to pump the blood and then a filter to filter the blood. And normally during kidney dialysis, the blood is filtered, and then it's washed with a large volume of fluid, you know, sterile water or saline. And, um, and that is, that's actually the part, the introduction of the large volume of fluid is actually the part that makes kidney dialysis actually kind of dangerous. So if for, instead of the, that in-port and out-port for the filter uh, introducing saline, we introduce ozone gas. So essentially you get an angiocath, one in each arm, the blood exits one arm, then it passes through this box where it's bombarded with ultraviolet irradiation, which effectively kills 100% of viruses immediately. Then it passes through the, um, through the, ozone fil- through the, through the filter where it's ozonated, then it exits the filter, goes through another box where it's bombarded with red light laser, which activate the, um, the mitochondria, and then, it, the, and then the blood enters back into your other arm. This pump, the, about the level that it's, we, we run it for about 45 minutes, with, which um, treats between four and seven liters of blood, which is the entire blood volume of your body. And what does that do to the body? Cleans out all the bugs and viruses. I heard that. I mean, Robert it's, Rowan, it's, for example, uh, went to Sierra Leone and treated the Ebola patients, and he used some kind of ozone, and he successfully treated them. For example, uh, there was one woman who was under locked guard and with a barbed wire fence because they thought she might have it, and she escaped and went to Robert Rowan and was successfully treated because she did have it. Everybody he treated, he had success with. Is that similar? Well, we believe so. I mean, it's, it's you know, I, I am very hesitant to make any statements about the treatment of pandemics because that's a great way to get in trouble. But, um, <laughs> Tell us about and, it. And I don't, I don't, for instance, I don't treat COVID under any circumstance. And if somebody's not feeling well, I would, we don't let them, you know, they don't come to the clinic. That includes me. Um, but, but theoretically, yes, ozone could be a treatment for uh, for any sort of infectious disease, especially any kind of virus. So, okay, but let's leave viruses and uh, certain health cha- those challenges aside. Mm-hmm. What good would ozonating your blood do? Uh, would that? I mean, I imagine any virus, bacteria, or maybe whatever uh, would. Uh, have you know be reduced substantially but what else does it do yeah so with this treatment it's combining the ultraviolet irradiation the red light 
the filtration, which gets out a lot of the cellular debris, you know, because we have, you know, there's, there's junk floating in our blood and this, and the filtration actually gets out a lot of the, these, these, you know, it actually, it doesn't filter out large objects. It filters out small objects. It's reverse. That's amazing. The filter is that small that it can get a damaged senescent cell. That's exactly right. Yeah, that's exactly Holy right. Because it, it, get, it gets small, it, you know, it's reverse osmosis, so it gets small objects, not large. It doesn't, you know, obviously you don't want to filter out the blood cells, right? Yeah, so, because those um, old senescent cells that, you know, are byproducts of some process that haven't died, that's exact, they can cause yeah, a lot of exactly inflammation, right. oxidative stress, and get us going down any chronic pathway that we're susceptible to. So that's important. Yeah. And what else does it do? And and then the ozonation itself, which is just a super oxygenation of your blood, so it just forces you know similar to to hyperbaric oxygen, it's just like completely saturating your red blood cells with oxygen, so then they can go on and 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 nourish the cells with oxygen. What does the ultraviolet blood irradiation do? I think that's primarily the irradiation. That's that's mostly killing viruses and. Um, and and pathogens. Um, I think there's activity beyond that, but I'm quite new to this, and it's it's something we've just started introducing. So I would hardly call myself an expert. Robert Rowan would, could tell you a lot more about it than I can. Okay. What is prolotherapy? Well, prolotherapy, as we discussed, is was the predecessor to stem cell therapy. So it's the injection of natural substances, usually a dextrose solution. Dextrose is sugar. It's simultaneously nutritive and slightly irritating. So uh, we inject it into an area, and because it's hypertonic, it's slightly irritating, which triggers a healing response, but it's also nourishing to the tissue because after oxygen, sugar is the most important nutrient in the body. And uh, what do you see as the future of stem cell therapy or medicine? You know, I get asked that a lot, and I really honestly have no idea. I mean, I really don't. Like, well, there's there's two categories of stem cell medicine. There's tissue regeneration. There's, you know, sort of growing a kidney in a laboratory or something like that. And that's really fascinating, and I think that's where we're going to see the biggest strides. Then there's regenerative, which is what I do. And it would also be for like an anti-aging treatment or, you know, just administering stem cells, letting them take action and then letting nature run its course. Um, Well, I think that really what needs to happen is all of this regulation needs to be worked out. Um, There's still quite a lot of gray area. There's a number of cases in, in, the, in federal court now where the FDA is suing several stem cell doctors. Uh, so we just kind of need to see where this is all going to play out and what we're left with, what we're able to do in the U.S. And versus what we can do abroad. Um, in the meantime, I'm just sort of focusing on uh, staying out of trouble and, um, and, doing, <laughs> and doing the most, yeah, and doing the most good that I'm able to. And there's really, you know, I've got two two ways in which I feel like I'm contributing. One is full body stem cell makeover. I'm, you know, I'm not aware of, that's something that I came up with. I'm not aware of anybody else doing that. Uh, and the other is in my tithing program. And the tithing program is something that I came up with uh, back in 2016. I, uh, I was working really hard and I, I was kind of tired and I noticed that I was tired, but 
you know, I thought it was just because I was working hard. Well, then I ended up having a stroke. Mm. And I... Um, I was rushed to the hospital. I mean, I lost the ability to speak. The right side of my body went paralyzed. And oh. it, w- it happened on Christmas Eve. So I, uh, it took a few days because they were operating on a skeleton crew. It took a few days to get a diagnosis. So finally, after really about close to three days of diagnostic workups, the surgeon sort of burst into my room and he sat on my bed and he said, well, we figured out why you keep having strokes. Um, you have a bacterial infection of your heart, and um, and you need an aortic valve replacement in two weeks. <laughs> to which I said, "What?" I mean, I was I was shocked. So two weeks later, I had the I had the surgery, uh, and it was you know a sternotomy, so it, threw, it opened up my chest, right? And I'm slender, uh, and um, slender people that sternotomy is incredibly painful. And so for the first time in my life, I experienced pain that was a 10 on a scale of 1 to 10. And I I really, you know, it didn't feel like a gift at the time. But the gift that I got from that is I got to really experience that kind of pain. And, And I really got to relate to what my patients are going through. And I sort of like got sort of introspective about the whole experience and what it led to was that the greatest advancement in medicine doesn't do anybody any good if they can't afford it. And the treatment that I do, it's expensive, you know, like it's for me to perform it. I'm in an expensive facility. I have expensive equipment. I have a lot of expensive people on staff. So, you know, and insurance doesn't pay for it. So it's expensive. So I developed the tithing program, and what that is is we 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 first we determine that somebody's living below poverty level, and if they are, then there's two pathways for for enrollment. One is if people are combat service veterans. Well, I'll treat those people for free. I'm happy to do it. You know, if you've served this country in combat, like that's that's all it takes. But if someone's not a combat service veteran, I didn't want to leave those people out. So I will do the treatment at no charge in exchange for documentation of community service hours. And we've been doing the, we've been, it's a little over two years we've been doing the tithing program. We do it about one day per month. And it's, I've been very happy with it. And, and, you know, I'm happy to say we've made, you know, a good number of people happy as well. That's really great. You're helping the community. You're helping those that, uh, don't have the resources that a lot of the anti-aging pe- people have. That's really great. Mm-hmm. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. And what can you tell me about your film, The Stem Cell Solution? Oh, sure. So um, I put together a film. I, I brought Nick Nanton, who's a, a Emmy Award-winning filmmaker, to create a film about uh, about stem cell medicine, but largely about my journey. Um, it's been a fascinating journey, uh, you know, because I've, I've sort of I got into this back in 2010 when you know very few people were doing it. So I, I had to, in order to learn how to like. To come up with the method that I came up with, yeah, I spent just about four years where I was commuting every other month to South America to visit all different clinics, and um, it, and then I've met these wonderful people along the way: Mark Hyman and Dave Asprey and Jim Quick and 
John Gray, men are from Mars, women are from Venus. Um, and so, so, you know, I just created this 60-minute documentary, uh, kind of documenting all of this. And it's available to watch at no charge. So I really invite people to check it out. Uh, the URL is uh, stemcellsolutionfilm.com. And you just go there and register and, and watch the film. Well, uh, we're winding down now, uh, so we've got three minutes left. Do you have any final points you'd like to make or letting people know how to get a hold of you? I mean, I think it's important that we uh, know about stem cells and we keep the avenues open so that we can have further research on it so it can be available to everybody rather than somebody trying to shut it down. So what can you leave the audience with? Sure, sure. Well, I'm located in Park City, Utah. The vast majority of our patients travel from out of state. We have people literally from all over the world. If for whatever reason you're unable to travel and you want to find somebody close to you, I encourage you to check out um, Cell Surgical Network, which is that stemcellrevolution.com. But if you're able to uh, come to Park City, and it's you know very difficult with COVID right now, but hopefully eventually things will normalize and travel will become a little easier. Uh, then I would love to hear from you. Uh, look us up at docereclinics.com, D-O-C-E-R-E clinics.com, docereclinics.com. Uh, check us out. And the way we function is uh, we have some very simple uh, online forms that if you're interested in, in a screening, just fill out those forms and I'll read them over. And, you know, after 20 years of practice, Based on these forms, I usually have a pretty good idea whether or not you're even a candidate. And if you're not, I will let you know. And, you know, but if you are, if, and then you're interested in taking the next step, then we can have a 30-minute screening phone call where I can usually have a pretty good idea of what the treatment would actually look like. And then, you know, and then there we go from there. As I recall my Latin, docere is the infinitive to teach or lead, which I think is the root of the word doctor as well. We're supposed to be teaching and leading uh, rather than chasing and whatever. So That's exactly um, right. That's exactly right. It's, I mean, it was a terrible choice for a clinic name because nobody can pronounce it, including my answering service. <laughs> but, well, that's the way we that pronounced it in Latin of, many, many decades ago. So anyway, right. we're coming to a very close close. So I want to thank you all. Please all do your research, share your information with others, share, you know, check with your clinician, your physician, your naturopath, and above all, be well. Thank you for listening. Occupy Health with Dr. Susan Downs can be heard live every Friday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time and 11 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Here's to better health for you this week. We've